Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. I'm going to perch you on your stools over here. Now, I'm excited because we've seen you guys a little bit. We, we got to watch your video uh, during our May Mission Month, but we don't really know much about you. So what we would love um, as a church who is now wanting to support you to go out to Malawi is if you could maybe just tell us a bit about yourself. So maybe start with who you are, you know, tell us about your family. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for having us. It's a real privilege to be with you this morning. And thank you to each and every one of you who supports mission work by prayer, by giving, by staying in touch. Thank you so much for that. Um, So our family, my name's Sarah. This is my husband, Gunter. Um, We have two boys, Joshua and Michael. Uh, We're originally from Cape Town in South Africa, and we've been living in Perth for the past 15 years. Um, I'm a teacher by qualification, but working as an admin assistant at the moment, and Gunter is a chartered accountant. Um, Yeah, I think that's pretty much us in a nutshell. Perfect. Okay, so you're planning on going out to Malawi. When? That's a fantastic question, and it's always (laughs) got to be prefixed by God willing, right? Uh, so for probably the last two years, we've been hoping that it would be the next six months and the next six months. So here we are telling you that we're hoping to be going in January next year. That's, so that's very exciting. That's what we're working towards. And I kind of use the language, our, our suitcases are packed, but you've got the toothbrush and the toothpaste still out, right? It's yep. in that sort of waiting space before we go. Sure. And are all four of you going, back, going over or are you leaving the boys here? Yeah, so our original intent had been for the four of us to go. If you have a look at our tagline, it's for him, which is like four hoppers in Malawi. That's kind of the, the joke. But uh, that's going to be changed to to him in a moment because uh, our youngest, Michael, he's finishing up year 12 this year. And Joshua, our eldest, is at uh, uni. So they're probably both going to stay in Perth while we go to Malawi. Right. That'll be a challenge for you as parents. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Tell us why Malawi. Why have you felt God leading you to go to Malawi? So as Sarah mentioned, we, origi- we are originally from Cape Town, but we had uh, the opportunity to go work in Malawi uh, back in 2004. Uh, I was working with an auditing firm and we ended up there for two years. And uh, you look back over time and God doesn't do things randomly. He doesn't journey you through places randomly. And we didn't go there with any missionary intent. Uh, we were Christians at the time, but, but that wasn't the reason for going. And as we were leaving, we just had a really strong sense that God had been using that two years there to prepare us to come back into the mission field. And so when we came to Perth, it was with the idea, we'll come to Perth for a couple of years and then we'll go back. And uh, if you listen to our fuller story, we've actually spent 15 years trying to get back to Malawi in the mission field. Right. And God in his timing orchestrates these things and... Uh, He's been maturing us and growing us and developing us, and uh, his timing is perfect in these things. So, as I say, we're hoping next year that comes to fruition now. Sure. Now, I just want to clarify. um, I had to ask, and Sarah clarified this for me. Just when you're praying and talking, this is Gunter and Sarah Hopper. Now, 
I know there is no R in their name, but Sarah's confirmed that it's like grasshopper. So remember, when we're praying for the hoppers, it is the hoppers. Is that all right? Okay. Now, I had the privilege of being in Africa a couple of years ago and went to Mangochi, so I have a little bit of a vision, a visual picture of the town and, and where it is. Would you paint a picture for everybody else of what you think Mangochi is, what you think you will be there doing? So if you think Mangochi, I always try to draw the analogy with a, a small West Australian outback town. So if you've been to Mount Magnet, anybody been to Mount Magnet? Yeah, there we go. I think that's sort of size, right? There's, a, there's one servo, there's probably the equivalent of an IGA, which is also the post office, which is also the general dealer. It's, it's that kind of size. Um, so that's the town site where we'll be based, but a lot of the work that we do with the Yao is actually in more remote village settings. Um, so the falconers are even more extreme than that, but um, if you want to get a feel for it, we've actually got a lovely picture I should have brought, but um, houses are, are mud brick construction. Right, so there's no, there's no steel frame, there's no baked bricks like we know them here. So think mud brick construction um, with a grass roof. Uh, if you're doing very well, you might have a tin roof, but then you're, you know, you're, you're doing very well in that village. Uh, there's no tarred roads in the villages. Uh, there's no electricity. There's no running water. So folk are still getting their water from wells. Um, so a lot of your daily life and task is just around those rhythms of life, things we take for granted here, that you turn a tap on and water comes out. Uh, for most of the year, that's not the case. So it is very rural. Um, there isn't a really good comparison to anything we experience here in Perth. And how do you think um, you will spend time? Like, is it just spending time just sitting with the year? What, you know... Give us a little bit of yeah. an idea of what you think that would look like. Sure. So, obviously, we do not know the language of Chia or Chichewe, which are the languages in Malawi. So, initially, when we get there, we will be assigned a language nurturer, and you'll spend four to six hours a day learning the language and the culture, and living life alongside your Yao friends there, um, and being able to share Jesus with them when the opportunity is right. Um, yeah, pretty much what we're we doing. Sure. And are there other um, team members in Mangochi? Yes. Yeah. So we're very fortunate that we'll be joining an established team already. There are three other families already in Mangochi, and they're part of the, the team that spills over into Mozambique as well that the Falconers are part of. Um, so, yes, we'll be joining, joining a team there. Okay. Perfect. We have a slide up um, of yeah. the... Yeah. Perfect. That's amazing. Now, is there anything else that you would like us to know um, before you go. I think as Sarah mentioned, so, uh, and you'll hear more from other missionaries, you're, you're leaving your family and your networks behind. And so there's that real sense of being isolated. You're with four other families, but you're working there and your, your support networks back in, in Perth for us um, are, are distant. So we would love churches to be praying for us, be praying for the other uh, cross-cultural workers that are out there, um, but also just stay in contact. It gives a, sort of that humanness uh, to the partnership that you have with missionaries overseas. And that's just the, it's the WhatsApp, it's the email, just, hey, how are you guys doing? Um, you know, you, you're probably on mailing lists and get letters from uh, the Falconers and people like us as well. Just even replying to that and going, hey, guys, 
thanks for the newsletter, just lets us know you're, you're not existing in a yeah. vacuum. So just that, that partnership and that interpersonal connection is, it would be massive. Awesome. So we have a table out in the foyer for the Faulkners and the Hoppers. They have some support cards, so if you would like more information how to keep in touch with you. Um, we're excited that you're going out and that we can help support you with that. Um, Anthony will be getting you up later to pray for you, so I'm going to um, shift you off Thank the uh, stage. <laughs> Thank you. Now, most of you will know that two years ago, I had the privilege of going and spending a month in Masangulu, in Mozambique with the Faulkner family. So for me, this is like my family's coming home. It is so cool to have them here. The kids have grown immensely, um, but I would like to welcome Scott and Beck up on stage. Let's give them a big lakeside welcome. And Levi. We'll just get ourselves organised. Hey. hey, how good is it to be here this morning? Yeah, um, we are just so, as, as Sarah said, look, she said that we feel like her family, but we, we, we say you all feel like our family. Um, it's just so nice to see so many faces that we have, uh, that we have connected with over so many years. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a long time. Um, it's been three years, yeah, well... Sarah said two, but I'm thinking more along the lines of three years since you sent, sent us the present of, uh, of Sarah Parks for an amazing month. And uh, as a side note, we'd just like you to know that you should feel free to send her again. Um, that would be fantastic. Oh, or anyone else who wants to come as well. That would be fantastic too. Um, it has been three years of challenges, um, but three years of also of uh, great encouragement. It's been three years of lots of tears, but lots of joy as well. And you guys have been there with us this, this last three years. We've got a, a, a slide of um, the schools. I, um, yeah, you've, you've just invested in improving education and access to education in Mozambique. You've, yeah making school buildings weatherproof, making school buildings safe, making education accessible. And we, we just want to say a massive thank you. Um, it, you know, the continuing work with the, the, we're continuing the work with the education department and, and the communities in the area. Um, and we're con continuing to consider how education can be more accessible to, to lots of people. Recently, our friends and us worked with a lady on our team Sally Pim, to create a video about an issue facing youth where we live. One of our friends is having a difficult time at the moment. His dad went to South Africa and a year ago to find work, but hasn't got work and doesn't have the money to return home. Our friend's mum became unwell and went to Malawi to, with the younger children to stay with her parents. Knowing he didn't have a lot of food, I thought he'd choose to do a video about hunger, but the script he helped write was about not having access to education. Take a look. 
I love going to school. I like to learn new things and spend time with my friends. But it is hard to go to school because we need uniforms and shoes and sometimes books. I fui para a escola sem sapato e uniforme. Professora me disse para sair. Isso significa que eu perco o aprendizado. Também temos que ter cuidado com as coisas que compramos para a escola, porque né? sempre podemos substituir nosso, nossos uniformes e sapatos e livros. For some people, their families have to choose between spending money on uniforms and shoes and books for school, or spending money on food that, so that the family can eat. This means that some kids here, where we live, are not able to go to school at all. Sim, não podemos ir à escola, não podemos ir à universidade, se não temos dinheiro para um uniforme. Não temos a oportunidade de aprender a ser médico. Professor ou advogado, I like school. I enjoy learning. I hope that all people have an opportunity to go to school, even if they don't have shoes or uniform. You know, this is uh, one of the kids, one of our kids' friends, um, and it's one of the many issues that he and other youth face. We're spending time with them. We're looking for ways to encourage them, and we're looking for ways to build into them and their families. Lakeside, aside from education projects, you've also invested in the kingdom by supporting us and the others that work in Malawi and Mozambique as we seek to make Jesus known, to see communities of faith emerge and grow in Malawi and Mozambique and be a part of God's transforming, be a part of God transforming families and communities into a place of, of peace, a place of shalom, a place of hope, a place of justice, a place of life abundant. You've been there as we've taught, um, you know, Becca's taught girls in the initiations um, ceremonies and, and taught them a value um, and, and taught them that they are seen and known by God. You know, also you've been there when we've wept with our friends who have experienced the loss of children. You've been there. Whew, <laughs> you've been there as we've... You've been there as we've sat with our fam- the families sharing stories of God. We've even, you've even been there when we've been accused of, of uh, conspiring to commit murder. Obviously, we didn't do it. Um, you've been there as we've provided soccer balls and played sport with our neighbours. And as we've lived through COVID and sometimes violent police enforcement of health regulations, with you alongside us, we're seeing things happen. God's at work. We're seeing families being impacted by the gospel. We're seeing our friends who are growing in their faith, reaching out to others, inviting others, leading and meeting independent of us. And we just want to say another huge thank you for your partnership. We love you guys and we're so grateful for all that you do. All right, you can sit down if you want. You're going to stay? Okay. Every few years, uh, we return to Perth and, and we share with you and others what God 
has been doing in Mozambique and among the Yao people over the previous three years. Last week, um, I was talking to someone and, and they made kind of a, a, a random comment that uh, we didn't see maybe as enthusiastic or as bubbly as they'd seen us um, three years previously. And so, because you're family, I want to preface um, today by being really honest uh, with you all and saying that today we're here quite weary. Um, weary in a way that is really seeking deep rest uh, from the Father. A weary that honestly at times has been not quite sure how I was going to sit here or stand here and, and share with you today um, and, what, and what I would share. It was on a day that I was complaining about my weariness uh, to Scott that he made a comment that was a little bit jarring and unsympathetic, I thought, at the time, but actually was a really good truth and encouragement for us. Uh, you know, Scott actually said that he was really looking forward to visiting the churches and, and sharing with you all and, and speaking. And he said, you know, this would be a fantastic way for us to honour God and celebrate what God is doing and remind ourselves each time we share these stories that God is good and faithful and that he is at work, that he is still God. You know, throughout the Old Testament, we see over and over that the people of God, the Israelites, are reminded to remember what God has done and to remind each other of these things, to remember where they have come from and where they are going, to remember their covenant with God, to remind them of God's faithfulness. It can be easy, whether we're in Perth or Mozambique, for life just to kind of keep rolling on week after week, month after month, year after year, and not to stop and step back and reflect on what God is doing. It's easy to see the struggles in front of us and the challenging moments, the times when God seems silent and fail to see the bigger picture of what God is doing. I was having a conversation with a, uh, an older friend last week and, and he commented that he feels like Australian culture has become, become something that's defined by the negative. You know, when someone asks how we are, we say, not bad. If someone asks if we can do something, we say, no worries, not a problem. And I think sometimes I, we can relate to God in the same way, that we can see him and define him by what he isn't and what he hasn't done rather than by what, and, and define him by the things that we think he should be doing and that we don't see him doing. You know, God, why didn't you heal? Why didn't you answer? You didn't help me. But this really colours our view of God and the world. And it also means that sometimes we fail to notice how God is actually at work. You know, sometimes while we're busy being disappointed, we actually miss how God wants to involve us in what he's doing. God's heart is to bring wholeness for all people, for all to know Jesus and be restored and redeemed. But, and I'm talking to myself here, if we're too busy looking at what isn't happening or what is difficult, we can miss what God is actually asking us to be part of. of. Over the past few years, it, it's been a really tough few years, but the Psalms have become familiar friends of ours. We've really resonated with the honest emotions that are expressed to God in them. The anger, the despair, the frustration, the sadness, the fear, the anxiety. We've, we've learned to lament. We've, we've become pretty good friends with lament. But we've also been really challenged and inspired by the trust and determination 
which is in the Psalms, which affirm who God is and what he has done in the past and what he is doing now and what he will do in the future, despite how the circumstances may appear. Let me read from Psalm 77, verses 1 to 9. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked. Can you just change the page? (laughs) Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favour again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? I resonate with this psalm writer, Asaph who cries out to God because he's troubled. In this, the beginning of the psalm, Asaph asks if God's mercy has ceased and if his promise has failed. However, Asaph continues in verses 10 to 15, saying, Then I thought, to this I will appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. This psalm... This psalm resonates with me and, 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 and says what we should do. We should remember God's wonders of old. We should remember that God is in control of our lives, in control of our story and the stories of those around us. We need to take the time to remember God and all that he has accomplished in our lives, all that he has provided. We should remember the journey that has brought us to this specific time and place right now. And we should remember God's promises to his people and the things he's spoken over our lives. And as we remember, we should talk about these things with others. When we're sharing meals or car rides or hanging out at the park, we should share the story of what God has done from creation until now and share our story as part of that bigger story, which reminds us of who God is. We can cry and we should cry out to God. But we can also and should recognise that God is still God and he is still working. God has been really challenging us in the past few years about this. To surrender to his will, not ours. To stay faithful to him even when we cannot see what he's doing. There's been challenging situations. But we felt God has continually reminded us to look to him and what he is doing. When we look at the the past few years, it's been rough. Often we didn't recognise what God was doing. But as we have stayed reliant on God and obedient to him most of the time, um, you know, we've seen God moving in ways we didn't expect. And as we step back now and reflect, we see some wonderful threads of God's plan that perhaps we found hard to see at the time. A plan that was bigger often than the things we were asking for. So today we want to just take... A few minutes to remember and share with all of you some of the things that God has been doing in Mozambique, 
to encourage ourselves as we say these things and encourage you that even when we cannot see, God is still at work. To be despondent and despair about the answers to prayer, to not be despondent and despair about the answers to prayer we're not getting, but instead we want to look at what God's doing and be willing to be part of that. God is at work in wonderful ways in Malawi and Mozambique and it's truly felt that for all the struggle there have been equal parts encouragement. Those seasons of not knowing what God was doing have been followed by days and weeks of months in which it's felt like every conversation, relationship and location, the Holy Spirit has been clearly at work. And God has simply asked us to be available and obedient. Let us tell you about a, a, a friend that we made. Um, she was a, a lady that was unwell for, for quite a few months and we went to to spend some time with her and to and to pray for her, expecting to see God come through, expecting to see a miracle and see her healed. Um, and we we went and we prayed for her and um, and 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 for for what for, for our natural we 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 saw no healing. Her family decided that the best thing for her was to. Um, move her to a traditional healer, like a traditional healer's hospital, and that she would live under the care of a traditional healer. It felt really discouraging. Here we are going, come on, God, we want to see this healing. We want to we we see you impact her family. So we've, we continued to visit her at the healer's, at the healer's um, play, uh, hospital um, and, and continued to pray for her. And in that time, started to spend time with the, with the healer and sitting with her. And she started asking questions, uh, questions of Jesus. Um, one day, Beck was sitting in, the, in, the, in, the, in a hut with, uh, with the healer and this other lady who's sick. And this man came and he sat in the doorway. This man we affectionately have called the angel because actually where Beck was sitting, the sun was behind him and she couldn't actually see his face. So for a long time, we didn't actually know what this guy really actually looked like. But anyway, she's sitting there and the sun is behind him and, and he, she's, she was sharing um, stories of how Jesus heals. And the man is sitting in the doorway saying, this is truth. You need to be listening to this. He was talking to the healer and he was saying, yeah, this is truth. This is this is." Jesus, oh, Jesus has power. You need to listen to this. And so that, that man then got up and left, and away he went. And we actually didn't see this man for, for a few months, or for quite a few months. And I really thought he was an angel because he just vanished. Um, but uh, one day we were, at, we were visiting, and, and, and a man came walking, walking towards me. Beck wasn't... wasn't um, sitting next to me but this man came walking across and and um and I said this is him he came and he sat down and he said we just started chatting and he said look come and visit my house so we got up and we walked to his house he's a he's a man who it turns out knows his Quran he, he knows how to speak Arabic he, he understands Arabic he, he was a, a he, he just has so much respect for the word of God I started chatting with him and I said, oh, well, I'd love to come and sit with you and read God's word with you. And he said, oh, that would be great. And I said, are, are you sure you, you would, you'd have, you know, would you, would you have time to, to sit down each week? And he said, look, out of all of these people in the village, you came and you came to, you came to my house. He said, I have time. 
come to my house and sit. God sent you to sit with me. The healer's husband started asking us questions and started requesting us to come and sit with him and his family and his teenage daughters to, to, to share the word. Two years later, this lady finally was starting to show signs of, of being healed. She no, needed, no longer needed the help of the healer. You know, we wanted to see her healed years before. We wanted to see that one family be impacted by God. And here there was a whole string of families and a whole string of people who were, who were people of influence in, the, in, their, in their village. God wanted to impact all of them, not just the one. Yeah, the healer is in that village is now believing that God has power and wants to know more about this God. In another, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting the hurry along. Um, <laughs> no, I um, I've got I have a story that crosses Malawi and Mozambique. There was a bunch of uh, a group of believers at a funeral in in uh, in Malawi, and. Uh, and uh, a man from Mozambique was sitting there, and he actually was the chief of a village in Mozambique. And he was sitting at this, um, with, the, or with this group of guys at this funeral, and they were all chatting. And the, the guys in Malawi were telling this man, oh, yeah, we, you know, we, we follow Jesus, and, and we, have, we have guys that come and sit with us and teach us about Jesus. And he said, oh. Imagine if I could get someone to come to my village in Mozambique. That would be fantastic. And, and the guys shared and they said, look, you should, you should come. You should, you should see what this is all about. Like, come tomorrow. We've got a group. Like, come and check it out. And so he went to the group and he sat with them and he was just like, oh, if, you know, if only I could get someone to come to my village. And so it was kind of left there. I had heard I had heard the story of this man, but I hadn't didn't know where he was or what you know. We live in a fairly vast area, um, and it was a, a months later, and this man was was going to 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 vote in the election, and he went to his local school and he sat there or he walked into his local school, and he was chatting with a few men about what he had experienced in Malawi, and one of the guys said, "Ah." Oh, yeah, I know some guys that go and sit in villages and, 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 and discuss the word of God. They live just down, like they live down the road near the mountain. It turned out that this man was a good friend of mine that was telling him he knew, he knew us. Um, it was a guy, that, a, a, young, a young believer that, uh, yeah, said, I'll talk to them. I'll see if I can get them to come. So that started... Uh, yeah, so I, so I said, all right, well, let's go. <laughs> Got a bit lost. Um, yeah, so I started sitting with them and reading the word. I got out to that village and we sat down and we started in, um, in Genesis and I was blown away by the guys reading, reading the word and... and um, we started in Genesis, and, and afterwards 
we had re- we had read through we had read through a bit, and afterwards the guys are all sitting there, and they decided to discuss it. Um, one man says, "Hang on a second. So, so I'm I'm just trying to understand this. It says man was created in God's image, and then the woman was created from man. So." Women have value. That must give women value. We should really stop beating our wives and start respecting them. This group, um, we met together a few times. Unfortunately, it met opposition from the uh, from a chief higher up. Apparently, you can't start you can't start a group in a village without the permission of higher up chiefs. And the chief actually fined, fined these guys a, a substantial amount of money and they decided that that was it. They, they didn't want the trouble. So I kept in contact with a couple, of, a couple of the guys from the group and one young guy in particular. And I just, we just prayed. Like, you know, we were like, what happened? This was so good. Like they were getting stuff from the scriptures. You know, why is this stopped? And you know what? God had a plan in this. God had a plan, and we saw. So I so I continued to, to to ring this guy and continued to stay in touch with him, and over the next few months, eventually he said, "Hey, can you come visit us?" So I went back, and it turns out he actually lived in the next village, in the next village back from that from the the previous group. Went out to the village, sat with him. And the chief came and sat with us, and we were, we were sitting there, and he says, oh, those books, those books that you left with us when we were meeting in the other village, really good. We finished those. Have you got others? And I'm like, God, here they were, reading through the books on their own. And we were praying that, yeah, we, here we were. We were praying that it would continue. We were praying that God was at work. And he was. The just lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, so okay, sorry, yes. Casimu <laughs> is a young man now that has just shown such leadership in that group. He's just he has invited others to come and to sit and to read. He's he you know, they've continued to meet together while I'm not there. They, one of my friends went to visit them just recently and they said, um, he said, oh, he came out. He, after, after reading, he went off and, and, and came back with his notebook and he's written himself a prayer in his own language. I mean, here, here, here is a young man who, yeah, who's written a prayer in, 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 in Chiao. I was just blown away. Um, hmm? Yeah. Lots of you would know the, the story from our letter, newsletters of, of Musa. He's a follower of Jesus. He's a young guy who's grown in his faith. He, um, he is actually the man that... Anyway, it's okay. That's complicated. Um, <laughs> yeah, he started meeting with a young group of guys himself. He, he wants to share what he's, le- he's learned. 
He has a sh- he's now got a shop and it's a place of fellowship. It's a place of, of being able to go and just to sit down with, uh, with Muslims and with followers of Jesus and just to discuss um, God and, and, and everything that uh, God's doing. Just before we left, Musa called me and I thought, oh, here we go. Something else to add to my list of things to do before I leave. I've asked forgive. I've asked for forgiveness for it. It's okay. Um, look, it's it, yeah. I thought, oh, here we go. Another thing to do. And he said, no. Look, I just wanted to to um, to come and to to pray with you. And I was just blown away. This 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 man came and he sat with me and he prayed a, a, an amazing prayer. He prayed a prayer of thanks for sending these missionaries to um, to Mozambique. Thanks for. Um, leading us or tell, you know, telling us about Jesus and, and taking us from darkness into light. Um, I was just blown away by, um, by his prayer, and, and, and I still am. Um, and I actually would like to ask you to... to no. <laughs> Sorry, I'd actually ask you, like to ask you to pray for Musa. Um, his family has, uh, yeah, is going through some hard times right now. They um, have had some... <laughs> yeah, please just pray for Musa. Um, yeah. So these stories of the groups meeting um, that Scott's talking about and Musa the Believer represent a bit of a shift um, in what we're seeing in Mozambique. Uh, you know, we're actually starting to see Yao people seeking Jesus and seeking to share that with others themselves outside of us. They're seeking to lead others. They're prioritising growing in their faith over other things and they're meeting without this. And this has been happening in Malawi for some time, but it's a, it's a really exciting um, uh, thing that's happening now in Mozambique. We've just asked Josiah to briefly share a, a story with you because it's a, such an encouraging story of how God's just working um, despite us or with us. It's a story of just being available and obedient no matter who you are or where you are. Joe, do you want to tell us about how God is using you in Mozambique? So a couple of days before we left, I was reading my Bible on the veranda when my t- two of my friends came up. They, they looked and saw I was reading the Bible and they were like, oh, it's a shame we can't read in English. But I was like, oh, well, we have a Portuguese Bible and Chiao Bible inside. Should I go get them? And they were like, yeah. So I went and got them, and we sat and read together. And they were like, oh, this is really good. So they were like, can we um, read together once a week? So, um, yeah, we... We um, confirmed a day, and so once a week we'd get together and read the Bible together. Thanks, Joe, for sharing that. And what he didn't tell you is that they've built a specific purpose treehouse for this purpose. So they sit up in a particular tree and read their Bibles um, hidden away. So there's a little church happening already in our backyard. Um, But, yeah, look... As we, as we tell these stories and, and we think about these psalms, um, just, to, just to finish, I'm reminded of a friend that I've been sitting with. Um, Lucinda is a devout 
Muslim lady who's really been going through a very challenging season. Um, they haven't had a lot of food. Her husband's been away. Uh, she's been quite unwell. And, and she's been sharing verses of the Quran with me. And so knowing that she was quite unusual for a, a Yao lady in our area and she's actually very literate, I asked if she'd like to read the Bible um, with me and so we've been doing that and, and she's actually started taking what we're reading and then reading it with her neighbour um, and she's invited her brother-in-law to join us and, and she's really been excited but some of what we've read have been psalms and um, the, first, the first psalm we looked at, uh, I confess, she said, this is a psalm, uh, this is a song, we need to sing this, um, I don't know the tune and she kind of looked at me expectantly like I knew the tune for the psalm um, and and I kind of thought, okay, I'm going to stall a little bit. You know, like maybe someone else will turn up to chat and we won't have to do it. That was immediately followed by, oh, my goodness, if lots of people turn up and I have to sing in front of everyone, this is going to be even worse. Um, so kind of did this warble chant thing. I'm definitely not going to demonstrate here. Um, and she joined in um, and, and she loved it. Uh, you know, I think the only person that felt significant shame was me in that space. Um, but, you know, as we've read and sung the Psalms and the emotions that, David has expressed, they've really resonated with Lucinda. You know, she's been so surprised that, that he would so openly express his emotions to God. Um, she's from a culture where that would be considered quite inappropriate and, and disrespectful. And she's, she's wondered if it's okay for us to do likewise. And so it's something that she and I have started to do more together. But also we've been really encouraged together as, as we've seen how he then looks for how God is present in those challenges and, and ask him to intervene in those challenges. And, you know, it was incredibly moving the day that she as this devout Muslim woman asked Jesus to heal her child. And so, you know, although we're weary, as we've said, we also stand and sit here today recognising the privilege and the gift it is to be here together with, with you all, with our family, with the family of God, and reminding ourselves and you of how God is at work. God is still God. He is still faithful. He is at work. He is at work in Malawi and Mozambique, and you are all a significant part of that. And so... I recognise that as we finish today, we all sit in really different places with this. Um, you know, maybe some of you are like we've been, where you're, you know, you're sitting in a space where you're hoping and you're praying about things and really not seeing answers. And perhaps what you need is, you know, the faith to trust that God is working despite the lack of evidence. Perhaps there's others of you that that like we are now need to take time to remember and reflect and, and remind yourselves and others of what God has done and is doing. Or perhaps you're in a season where you need to pay attention to how God is working and be obedient to that. Perhaps they're saying that God is asking of you. Perhaps as you've heard us talk about Malawi and Mozambique, we wouldn't be missionaries if we weren't trying to recruit. Perhaps you would like to come and join us in, uh, in Mozambique and, um, you know, want to explore being a bigger part of what God's doing globally. But whatever space you're in, God wants to meet you in that space. So let's pray. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for encouraging us and for supporting us in, in all that we do, Lord God. Father, we just thank you for 
um, this time this morning to to share a, a little glimpse of, of of what you've been doing over the last three years, Lord God. We thank you for every one of the people that we've mentioned, Lord God, the people that we haven't mentioned as well, Lord God, but we pray for what you're doing in Mozambique. Father, we pray for Musa and his family as they go through hard times, Lord God. We thank you for them, and we pray that you would continue to uh, grow Musa's faith, that he can be more and more of an influence over his family, Lord God. Father, we just uh, we thank you for this time this morning, Lord, and we just pray you would bless it in Jesus' name. Thanks, guys. Let's put our hands together for the Falconers. I'll get you to stay there because we will get the hoppers up in a second. Um, actually, when you started sharing, Scott, and, and it's uh, reflective of your whole family, um, I, I had this picture or this image. Do you know the story where Jesus uh, is kind of back from Jerusalem and is about to head into Jerusalem and he's kind of looking into Jerusalem and he says he's, full, he's filled with compassion and, and he weeps and he, for, for the people of Jerusalem. There's a, there's a compassion and empathy uh, to the point of tears for these people. And uh, I, I see that in you guys. I really do. Uh, this compassion, this empathy uh, to see these people who are lost be found, who are in darkness to find the light. And uh, I really want to commend you on that. I know you're thanking us a lot uh, in that whole process, but you guys are out there. And uh, the thing about mission and ministry, I think, uh, the key to it is it has to be Jesus-shaped. Uh, has to be Jesus-shaped, and you bring that. I'm not saying you are Jesus, uh, but you are Jesus-shaped. You want to see these people, all of you, uh, impacted by the message of Jesus. Uh, the other thing I, I, I get from these stories that they were sharing is there's obviously a complexity of culture uh, and, and, and relationships and all that kind of stuff, but there's also a simplicity, isn't there? A simplicity of sitting and what? Reading the Word of God with people. No projectors, uh, no you butte machines or, or programs, it's just sitting and reading God's Word. Did you, did you notice that, the simplicity of that? There's power in God's Word, uh, whatever language it's in. And um, I think we need to take hold of that as well. Um, the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll finish with, because you didn't want a sermon from me as well, but um, this sense of the word mission means to be sent out or this kind of movement out and I get this picture of dropping a, a rock into a lake or, or a river and you do that. You've got no control where the ripples go, do you? But it just goes. And, and that's kind of how I see that the God working, the ripple has started. We sometimes want to control where that ripple goes. But our role is just to almost enjoy the ride, to kind of just enjoy that ride and, and don't, don't push against it to allow it to go where God wants it to go. And again, I want to just uh, acknowledge your faithfulness in that because you're, you're enjoying the ride, uh, parts of it. Some, some of it can be hard and, and, and I know complex and tricky and painful, uh, but to allow God to move where he will move. Um, so I'm going to ask the hoppers to come up. And I don't know if the rest of the kids want to come up. We're going to pray. It's up to you guys if they do. I'll ask Ashley, Siobhan, Sarah. I don't know if Daz is here as well. He's had. If you could come on down, just a few people to lay some hands. Peter, maybe uh, lay hands on on these these families. Um, 
and I'll pray. And actually, I'm going to ask the congregation to stand up uh, just as a sign of unity, but also a sign of togetherness as we support uh, the, the falconers and the hoppers um, in this, this time. Let's, let me pray firstly for the hoppers. Most gracious Father, we thank you. We know you're a God, uh, ascending God. You're a God who is not distant and remote because you come down to us as one of us. But then you, you give us and, and call us to go as well. And Father, we uh, want to thank you that you have called the hoppers to go, to be sent out like uh, on that ripple, Father, uh, to, to now join the team out there. Lord, uh, there's been, it's been a long time that, that they've sensed this. And they've been obedient to this calling, Father. So we pray and ask that you would continue to help them get everything in order, finances, all that kind of stuff. Lord, we, we're praying and believing that they will be leaving in January, Lord. Uh, you've laid that on their heart and we're asking and praying that they would get on that plane in January because that will be your timing uh, to start uh, to, to begin this journey over there, learning the language, connecting with people, all that kind of stuff. May you open the doors that need to be open. Father, we pray that you would protect them physically, emotionally, spiritually as they leave their, their, their uh, connections, their support networks here and as they start to develop new ones over there, Father, that you would be orchestrating that, that, that now as we pray right now and in your spirit that that would be happening now, Jesus. Father, with their, their two young boys, Lord, you know them. Uh, you know uh, who they are and you have plans for them as well, that you would keep them safe over here. Father, the, the, the complexity and the, the, the mother heart, the father heart of wanting to care for your children now being moved, Lord, I pray again that you'd work in that, that you would ease that as well, Father. Again, we thank you for the hoppers. We thank you for their obedience. Lord, we pray as a church that we would support them, pray for them, give financially, but also connect relationally as well, Lord, that they would experience that uh, from us and other churches. We ask this in your name. Father, we want to also pray now for the falconers. We know them. Lord, we love them. We thank you for the work that you're doing, even in the hard times, Lord. Lord, I want to pray right now for a, a refreshing, actually a recovering, Lord. It's this picture that they've, they've been running, that running this marathon, and now they've come to a point of stopping and they need to recover, Lord. And so we ask for a, a, a new pouring out of your spirit on them, all of them, that will kind of just wash away uh, anything that doesn't need to be there, Lord, and, and new sprouts of growth, Father. Uh, we'll, we'll refresh them and, and uh, rejuvenate them, Lord, all those, those words of new, newness. That they, Lord, we, we pray that these wouldn't just be words. Lord, I ask and pray that they would actually physically, emotionally, and, and spiritually experience this in your name, Jesus. Uh, Father, we thank you that we can look back and they can look back and see how you have been working, Lord. Slowly but surely, that ripple goes out. Thank you for their obedience. Again, we pray for uh, protection physically, emotionally and spiritually in all areas of their life. We ask this, Jesus. And Father, we do want to pray for Scott's friend. What's his name? We pray for Musa, Lord. We don't know what's going on. You do, Lord. And we are on the other side of the world and we know that you can perform miracles over there, Father. Whatever it is, whether it's physical or mental, emotional, that you'd bring healing, that you would guide him, uh, Lord, that you would put Scott's mind at ease as well. 
that we would see a miracle in his life. We ask this and we pray this. We pray all these things because we believe these are the things that you'd want us to be praying. We pray it in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen.